Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. No one that hides sin gets free from it. If you get good at hiding sin, you just become dark. And I learned this early on, right? If you hide sin, you're keeping it in the dark. Y'all know that's where Satan dwells, in the darkness. God is in the light. Um, you keep it in the dark. You're keeping yourself and your sin somewhere where Satan can continue to just keep his grip on your life. When you bring it and confess it, you're telling on yourself, you're bringing that dark thing into the light where God can begin to work on it and set you free. It's safe to say that we've all made mistakes that feel too typical to confront. Oftentimes, this leads to us hiding these issues from others. Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that if you want to actually get past your past sins that haunt you every day, you need to bring it all out into the open. The more you suppress your pain, the worse it gets. All that God wants is for you to be healed from your wounds that bring you down. Give it all to Him and be set free in ways that you can never experience on your own. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Nehemiah chapter 9 for today's edition of a transforming word. These sandals, these were not Nikes. These were not, you know, well, their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their feet didn't swell. I just want to note that that was supernatural. Uh, Because, you know, even my shoes, I trade them out with other shoes. They're wearing the same thing every day, most likely, and they're trekking through the desert, but the shoes didn't wear out. That was God's provision, just making things last extra long, for them. Again, all of these speak of God's faithfulness, what God did for them. Now we move forward, verses 22 to 25, and we're going to look at the, the conquest in Canaan and what God did there. Verse 22, it says, Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations and divided them into districts. So they took possession of the land of Sihon, the land of the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You also multiplied their children as the stars of heaven. And brought them into the land which you had swore to their fathers to go in and possess. So the people went in and possessed the land you subdued before them, the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they wished. Verse 25, and they took strong cities and a rich land and possessed houses full of goods, cisterns already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and grew fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. And so here, the conquest of Cain and God finally brings them into the land of promise. And, and they're in the promised land. They're in this good land and the, the, the grapes and the everything that God had promised. They're there. And again, you would think now, now, this group. The promised land, they're going to stay faithful to the Lord. Surely these would be the guys that would be so grateful to be in the land of promise that they would just say, God, you're so good. We're in this. We got vineyards that somebody else planted. We got cisterns that someone else dug. I mean, we've moved in and taken over and we are blessed. They ate and grew fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. That's that's what they began to do. But then. We see that transitional word in verse 26 again, nevertheless. And in our vernacular, we would say, but anyway, even though God did all that for them, but anyway, they were disobedient. And let me 
stop there and say this, because I think it's, we'll see it as a pattern even as we continue and we get to the judges. It seems like when God's kids do the best, unfortunately, is when the heat is turned up really, really hot. Things aren't going very well. There's a brokenness. Somehow brokenness brings openness and humility and all the attitudes of heart that we need to really walk with the Lord the way we should. Conversely, when things are going very well, when we got lots of money and abundance, things are going great. Seems like that's when people mess up. Um, and so, you know, I don't right now, I don't know everybody listen how you're doing. For some folk right now, this is a time of great struggle. It's it's um it happens in human nature when when we think we're doing well, we forget about the Lord, no longer prayer life, not really in the word, um, not even faithful in attending church or any of those things. And then when the bottom falls out, something goes bad, a bad diagnosis, a job is lost, there's a great need, then we know to turn back to the Lord. Somehow we got to learn as people to be just as faithful, just as committed, just as devoted to the Lord when things are going well, that we can enjoy a season of blessing from the Lord. And so here, even though God had blessed and brought them into the land of promise, things were going well. They're eating good, living large. Nevertheless, verse 26, they were disobedient and rebelled against you. Cast your law behind their back. They, they say they put God's word and just threw it behind their backs. And they said they killed your prophets who testified against them to turn them to yourself. And they worked great provocations. And so these are not small things they were doing. God sent prophets with his words in their mouth to come tell them that they were doing wrong and they needed to repent. And they were like, eh, I'm going to kill. They just killed the prophets. We don't want to hear that. Imagine that. They just kill God's spokesmen. Some of us are God's spokespeople, and we got to say unpopular things at times. And just know that it's not a new thing for rebellious people to, to throw stones at God's spokesmen and spokeswomen. So it's not a new thing, but be, be careful that you don't be that person that's going after God's spokespeople. Why would you do that? Why, why would you come against those that are speaking truth in his name? What I find is this, as a pastor, as someone that speaks for the Lord, a lot of times people that are at odds with God will flesh it out on those that are speaking his word. These ain't my words. I didn't write the book. I'm a proclaimer of the book. It's not my message. It's his message. I'm just sharing it. But those that are at odds with him will be at odds with those that proclaim it, believe it, speak it, and share it. So we should expect that. But woe to those through whom it's coming. Woe to those that are attacking God's spokespeople. So they were here, again, another provocation, provoking the Lord by going after his servants and killing them and abusing them. Verse 27, therefore you delivered them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them. And so here we move into the error of the judges. Um, the book of Judges, for you guys are familiar with that, the error of the judges was this. Israel would, for a period of time, they would walk with the Lord and things would be fine. Then they would be seduced into idolatry somewhere and they would go after other gods and incur the wrath of God against them. God, The way that God would punish them is he would remove his hand from them and allow the enemies to come in and take them captive. Then when the Israelites were sick of being captive and they were being plummeted by their enemies, they would finally cry out to God for help. 
after all the disobedience, they would cry out and God would say, all right, I'm going to send a deliverer. So when we look at the book of Judges, each of the judges, the word judge does not mean like a judicial judge, but they were deliverers. And God would raise them up, fill them with his spirit, send them out to deliver Israel from the hand of their oppressors. And it seems like they would walk with the Lord until that deliverer died, that judge died. Then they would do the thing all over again, the same cycle. So again, that's what it's talking about here in verse 27. Therefore, you delivered them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them. And in the time of their trouble, when they cried to you, you heard from heaven. And according to your abundant mercies, you gave them deliverers, judges, who saved them from the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, they again did evil before you. Therefore, you left them in the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven. And many times you delivered them according to your mercies. Many times God did this for them. Verse 29, it says, and they test and testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. And I'm going to stop right there. So the, the error of the judges, which we just covered here, it just went in a circular thing. They would disobey. They would be in bondage. They would cry out. God was in the deliverer. They had rest. And then they would just do it all over again. Once again, I want you to note this. When did they mess up every time? They mess up when things are going good. So we want to be careful, especially when things are going good. When, when you're, if you're, if you're at home, you're wherever you're at listening to this, if, if you're in a season where things are going well for you, you got money in the bank, things are going good, life is great, make sure right now more than ever you keep it in close with the Lord. Be humble before the Lord. You may not feel humble, just humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord. Be, just put yourself in that place before, don't wait for the bottom to fall out. Don't be the kind of Christian that can only draw near to God when stuff's going wrong. Love the Lord while it's going good. Love the Lord while, while you balling, while you got your stimulus check, all of it in the bank. Love him now. Be faithful to him even in the season right now. Be faithful to the Lord at every season. But be careful. We, the Bible says in the New Testament that these, why does God tell us about all the flaws of those that have gone before us? It says these things are written for your learning, for your admonition, so that we could see what they did and learn from it so we wouldn't repeat the same mistakes. And so we're supposed to get something out of this. Yes, we're reading their prayer. We're reading their confession and their confession through their history. And they had a real colorful history with the Lord, God's faithfulness and their rebellion. And we're, we're supposed to get something out of this, learn something from it that's going to help us to walk with the Lord. Verse 29 says, and testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments, but sinned against your judgments which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks, and would not hear. Yet for many years you had patience with them and testified against them by your spirit in your prophets, yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, another transitional word, nevertheless, in your great mercy, you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them. For you are God, gracious and merciful. Here, as they're praying out, they're saying, God, we know this. Nevertheless, even though we did all that wickedness in your great mercy, Lord, you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them. You are God, gracious and merciful. Let me pause here and say this. Um, as we read through their history, we realize this about the Lord. If God's pretty much demonstrated this throughout the scriptures, if 
If he could save, he will save. If you can be saved, his heart is to save you. Uh, if you will yield to the Lord in any way, God's willing to wipe out all the transgressions, all the bad things. He's out. I'll, I'll wipe it away and we'll start clean. He had, he had made a provision for the old covenant, Old Testament folks. We're in the new covenant. We're, we're after Christ. And so Jesus has come and died and risen from the grave. We just celebrated that last week. He's made a provision for you that no matter what you have done, how long you did it, where you came from, God said, look, if you'll turn to me, I'll, I'll forgive you. The blood of Jesus on the cross is, is, is enough to wash and cleanse and forgive any and every sin that's brought to him. And so it's his desire. He says this in 2 Peter 3, 9, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God said, I don't want anybody to go to hell. I wish all y'all would repent and come to me and I'd receive you. But he does leave you with free will. You can receive him or reject him. You can turn to him and, 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 and be forgiven of all your sins. He's made every provision for it. Uh, or you can keep it all and die in it and die without him and die apart from him and suffer the consequences of a, a life of sin and rebellion and, and not having forgiveness and covering. You, you have that option. I don't recommend it for any of us. We want to come to the merciful, his merciful and gracious. I want to tap in. I want my, I need mercy and I need grace. And I'm grateful that I've been brought into relationship with a God that is both merciful and gracious, that he's gracious to me. God's given me what I don't deserve. Any, anything I've received from the Lord, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve his favor. I, I never deserved him to come after me. I didn't deserve him to die for me. Super gracious. And he's been absolutely merciful. All the sins that I've committed, all the wrong that I've done, I will not pay for them. They've been paid for in full on the cross the mercy of God on my life. Doesn't make me a great guy, makes me a forgiven guy, makes him a great God. And so I'm just wanting you to know the, the great God. Lots of the, 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 the list of sinners that are going to be in heaven is very long. Everybody making it to heaven is a sinner. But there's some people that are going to make it that may shock you, may blow your mind that there was enough mercy for that guy and that girl and enough forgiveness for that person. There's enough mercy and forgiveness for everybody that will turn to Jesus for forgiveness and mercy. And so if you need to, and everybody does, we invite you, turn to the Lord and receive this from him. It's, it's who he is. It's not even just what he does. Uh, it's who he is. Now, verse 32, uh, 32 to 37, we're going to see now their prayerful appeal. They're going to appeal to God for, for his forgiveness, for his deliverance from the consequences of all that they have done. And so look at verse 32, it says, now, therefore, this is their, their plea to God. Now, in light of all that we've said, now, therefore, O God, the great, the mighty and awesome God who keeps covenant and mercy, do not let the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us. Our kings and our princes, our priests and our prophets, our fathers and on all your people from the days of the kings of Assyria until this day. However, you are just in all that has befallen us, for you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. Neither our kings nor our princes, our priests nor our fathers have kept your law, nor heeded your commandments and your testimonies with which you testified against them. For they have not served you in their kingdom or in the many good things that you, have, that you gave them or in the large and rich land which you set before them, nor did they turn from their wicked works. Here we are, servants today. And the land that you gave to our fathers to eat the fruit in this bounty, here we are, servants in it. They said, look, we're here today 
as servants in the land that you gave our fathers. And we know it's because of sin and disobedience and rebellion. It says, and it yields much fruit, yields much increase to the kings you have set over us because of our sins. Also, they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure. And we are in great distress. Verse 38. And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites and our priests seal it. And they said, look, I want you to understand what they're saying here. We make a sure covenant. We're making a commitment. We're making a recommitment of ourselves to you. We're committing ourselves to you once again. And there's some important things that were that were spoken here as as they acknowledge all that's going wrong. They're saying, and we know it's our fault. It's not you. It's us, Lord. I want you to get that. Um, I think sometimes I hear people praying and looking at things. You can have somebody that they did what they wanted to do in disobedience to God. It didn't work out for them. And then they're looking at God like, how could you let this happen to me? <laughs> you know, and it's, but you did this to you. Uh, you can take someone that's a believer and they know that we're, I'm not supposed to be unequally yoked together with a non-believer. And they go and they get in a relationship with someone that don't know the Lord and they go anyway and they do it what they want to do. And then it breaks up. And like, God, why did you let this happen to me? <laughs> you did this to you. You brought this upon yourself. Anything that we do in rebellion or disobedience to the Lord, when we deal with the consequences of it, we did this to us. And it's important that you speak that way and you acknowledge it that way if you're going to repent. If you're going to turn back to the Lord, you got to call it what it is. God, I messed up. God, I was stiff-necked. God, I was rebellious. I did what I wanted to do. I, I did what you said not to do. And... And that's where I'm in the situation that I'm in right now. It's it's all my fault. I'm telling you, God will hear that. If you're genuine, if you're honest in your repentance and confession, God will hear and God will help. But you can't be coming to God with excuses and you definitely don't want to fall into the trap of blaming God for the situation that you're in and it's your fault that you're in that situation. So we want to be careful about that. They are, they're owning their sin. They're owning the sin of their forefathers. They're saying, God, look, we know it was us, not you, but we want to recommit to you today. We know, we, we, we know how to get it right now too. We know you're merciful and gracious and we like a retry. We like to start fresh with you. And I want you to know that you can start fresh with the Lord. Confession is important. I want to explain why confession is important. Because God calls us to confession. Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And what does it mean to confess your sins? That means that you got to go to God in prayer and you got to say, God, I know it was wrong when I did whatever. When you, you can't confess to God in generalities. You can't say, God, I just want to confess to you. I, I messed up yesterday and I just want you to freak. No, <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little more distinct than that, right? If you let's say you you smacked somebody yesterday and you got in the flesh, well now if you're gonna confess it, you gotta say, God, I confess to you. Yesterday I got in the flesh. I should have been quiet, but I wasn't quiet. I let my mouth run and I got in the flesh and and I, and I struck that person in the face and it was wrong and I was a bad witness for you and I just want you to forgive me today. And as you confess in honesty, God says I'm faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. So we confess to God for forgiveness. There's another confession we confess to one another in James 5, 16. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. And so there's a time when between brothers or sisters, if we're 
overtaken in some sin or we continue to fall. When it says confess your trespass, a trespass is a, a willful stepping over the line. If, if you're willfully stepping over the line in Samaria, it says, look, grab a brother, grab a sister and, and confess it and let them pray for you. And God says, look, um, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And if there's any sins, they'll be, they'll be forgiven. But you got to confess it and, and bring it. You confess it. Let them pray for you. and Let the Lord touch you and help you from there. So there's a time we confess to one another, you know, things that we're dealing with, struggling with. We're not hiding sin. We're not covering it up. One of the components of genuine biblical fellowship is that there's an openness. First John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us of all our sins. If we walk in the light. Last verse on confession. I think this is really important. It's in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. And it says, he who covers his sins will not prosper. That word prosperous means to be blessed in what you do. You will not be blessed in what you do if you're covering up your sin. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And here's the difference. Some people are protecting, hiding, covering their sin. You're not going to move forward from that. You're going to be stuck in a rut right there. You won't advance hiding, covering sin, but says you want to confess it and forsake it. I had to learn that in my walk with the Lord. I got good at one point in my walk of, I got good at being honest and confessing my sin. And I find I kept confessing the same stuff over and over again. I did it again, God, but I just kept confessing it. This verse was helpful. I got to confess it and forsake it and God will have mercy. I got to confess it and then to forsake it is to turn my back on it. And God says, look, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes him will have mercy. Uh, God says, I, I, I will be merciful to the one that confesses and forsakes. Um, so we know this about sin. We don't cover it. We don't hide it. We don't excuse it. Uh, we don't keep it secret. We expose it. We confess it. We tell God. We tell other people and we turn from it. That is the beginning of, 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 of just getting right with the Lord, of walking with the Lord in newness. As I've got to deal with our sin. I've got to acknowledge it, get away from it, confess it, tell on it, expose it. Something powerful about confessing your sins. You know, if, I, if I confess to somebody an area or an issue, I got someone that loves me, that prayed for me, that they're going to be checking up. Hey, bro, how you doing with that? And I've had over the years of my life with the Lord, different struggles, different sins at different times. And I had people that I told I dropped dime on myself. And, and we had fellowship. We had accountability. It was, it was helpful. It was beneficial. It was better than hiding sin. No one that hides sin gets free from it. If you get good at hiding sin, you just become dark. And I learned this early on, right? If you hide sin, you're keeping it in the dark. Y'all know that's where Satan dwells, in the darkness. God is in the light. Um, you keep it in the dark. You're keeping yourself and your sin somewhere where Satan can continue to just keep his grip on your life. When you bring it and confess it, you're telling on yourself, you're bringing that dark thing into the light where God can begin to work on it and set you free. Some people stay in bondage to certain sins way longer than they have to because they've hidden them rather than confess them. Maybe you need to stop hiding it and confess it so you can get this thing right with the Lord. He's, we know we've read it over and over again tonight. He's willing to, he's merciful. He's willing to forgive you. He's ready to pardon. He's ready to, he'll give you power to walk in victory. You got to bring it. You got to be honest. You got to be real. Be a David, not a Saul after the sin, uh, not before. So last verse 18 said, verse 38, I'm sorry, it says, and because of all this, once again, we make a sure covenant and write it. 
Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests will sell it. We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us here today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of Nehemiah. Do you ever feel like every time you step into your calling, life gets really, really hard? Nehemiah knew what it was like. Partway through the work of rebuilding the wall, the people encountered opposition and it became necessary to defend themselves while they worked. Nehemiah 4:21 through 23 says, So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, Let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor men of the guard who followed me None of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. Nehemiah faced a physical threat to the people, but you and I will face a spiritual one. A spiritual threat requires spiritual weapons, like prayer, praise, and worship. Don't forget to keep them at your right hand all the time. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Are you in the area? We'd love for you to come and see us this Sunday. We meet at 9 and 11 a.m. For the rest of the information you need, head over to CalvaryInglewood.org. Once again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. And if you're not in the area, be sure to catch our live stream this Sunday. Thank you, and we'll see you again on A Transforming Word.